Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town, riding their bikes to school and little league practice. But over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories. Not any stories, mind you, but tales where things would go horribly wrong. Usually perpetrated by stupid people doing stupid things. While they grew into adulthood, their senses of humor stayed in the fifth grade. As they both gravitated to careers in broadcasting and they moved to separate coasts, their friendship grew even stronger in their obsession for the best stories of others' mishaps. Cover the young one's ears, pour yourself a strong beverage, and buckle up. The Box of Oddities is about to present Schnebley and Toth, the shallow end of the gene pool. So, Linz, how's your day going? It's going well. I can't believe we're actually doing our third episode. I remember when we first talked about this, you and I agreed there's no way we're getting past the, the second episode. We're going <laughs> and, to be done. and here we are. We've shattered all expectations. Going from worst to first, baby. Yeah. Well, I could use a little pick-me-up because uh, a hobo sat on my sandwich earlier. <laughs> today it's a whole thing i don't want to get into it i i so love the love the word hobo Hobo's a fun word isn't it yeah there's a quaint innocence to it it's an abbreviation of homeward bound is it not i did not know that yeah well there you go there's a bonus fact for you today yeah it really uh romanticizes the whole disparity of income in the united oh, states here and we go really here we go oh. Raining on the hobo parade. <laughs> and that always seems to happen. Whenever the hobo parade is happening, it's rainy and they have to postpone it. It's it's <laughs> it's sad, really. I remember growing up a uh, a restaurant chain called Hobo Joe's. Do you remember hobo that? Hobo Joe's. Was that in yeah. Tucson? Uh, I know there was one in northern Arizona. There might there might have been one in Tucson. It sounds vaguely familiar. And their logo was, you know, the uh, kindly looking man with the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the bindle? Bindle over his shoulder <laughs> yeah, and yeah. weathered fedora. If you're carrying a bindle, I don't want you making me eggs. See, on the other hand, I think you must make some mean eggs if you're, <laughs> you're carrying a bindle. You are a glass half full kind of guy. <laughs> I am. Mr. Schnebley. Loves me some hobos and their eggs. Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of the Circus of Horrors? No. All right. But I love the name. They describe themselves this way. Uh, blending horror and burlesque with bizarre and unbelievable acts. 
from an almighty cast, all performed to live rock music. So it's kind of like uh, a circus, a freak show, a Rocky Horror Picture, a rock concert. It's just kind of a, a blending of all of these different uh, flavors. Cirque du Soleil on acid. Well, not that Cirque du Soleil isn't already on acid. It's, <laughs> that's very surreal. Uh, it's quite the visual feast, the Circus of Horrors is. Uh, feast for the eyes. They are currently touring with their latest incarnation, which is called The Witch. Described as a sensational new Phantomas, phant, phantasmagoria. I always have a hard time saying it's that It's a tough word. word. Phantasmagoria, which encompasses amazing and bizarre, and bizarre circus acts with an original rock score in a sinister story of witchcraft, the darkest of magic. It includes the legendary witch trials and even a burning at the stake. So it's, you know, bring the kids. It'll be fun. How have I never heard of this? They've been around since 1995. Maybe it's from living in such a small town like Los Angeles. Yeah. These acts don't... Uh... You never get the good stuff in, in L.A. No. <laughs> it's crap out here, man. Well, they're primarily uh, a U.K. act. They, okay. they began the Circus of Horrors in 1995 at Glastonbury. Most people at the time didn't think it would last very long, but it's been 27 years and it, they say it's due mostly to its uh, its novel approach and its ability to kind of reinvent itself over and over again. In fact, they performed in 2011, I think, on uh, Britain's Got Talent. They performed various stunts simultaneously, like spinning on a German wheel. That's the thing where you kind of hang on to it and it kind of rolls. Or it's, it's weird. You've seen it, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sword swallowing limboing underneath a flaming rod that was like maybe a, a foot off the ground. It's like regular circus acts, but taken to the extreme. Sure. So they did this on uh, Britain's Got Talent, and they were a big success. They they made it all the way to the semifinals, but they didn't make it to the finals. Uh, they, they finished in sixth place. And the reason was because they couldn't do some of their more bizarre acts on Britain's Got Talent. They had to kind of keep it. They had to tone it down. Tone it down a little bit. Many of their acts are not unfamiliar to circus enthusiasts, but some of them are kind of out there. And Don't you love the term circus enthusiast? I want that on my business card. Jethro Toth, circus enthusiast and godfather of Canadian archaeology. There you go. Something like that. I think circus enthusiast on your tax return is going to guarantee you an audit. That's a red flag, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one of the more unusual acts in the Circus of Horrors is called <laughs> Captain Dan, the Demon Dwarf. <laughs> it's a very strange act that reaches a crescendo when Captain Dan, uh, this is how he closes it out, he attaches what appears to be a canister shop vac to his penis and then oh. powers up the vacuum. He then okay. be begins to drag the vacuum cleaner around the stage using nothing but his willy. Now, here's where the act gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't just drag the vacuum cleaner around. No, all, that's not enough. Because any of us have done that. <laughs> all willy-nilly, if you'll pardon me, all nimbly-bimbly. <laughs> Much of his act, when he's got the vacuum cleaner attached to his... Uh, penis to his little dan his even littler dan his act looks like like a coordinated figure skating routine culminating with various solo spin combinations a triple toe loop 
in what can only be described as a pair figure skating death spiral. It's <laughs> it's an amazing thing to see. You know, like when you're watching a, a pair of figure skaters and they're holding each other's hands and they're spinning around and around sure, and around. Sure, yeah. It's like that only with a dwarf and a vacuum cleaner on his penis. <laughs> But still the same artistic presentation. It's still art. It's dreamy, actually. It's uh, I can hypnotic, imagine. hypnotic to watch. But he doesn't just stick his member inside a vacuum cleaner tube and, and turn it on and start flailing about the stage. He had, he had a, special, a special penis vacuum cleaner attachment made. Because those don't normally get packaged with your shop vac. I will confess I've rummaged many a time with a new shop back to look for that and thinking, I hope they include, uh, uh, oh, not no. a, dang it. Anyway, he had one specially fashioned to uh, fit to the metal tube part of the vacuum cleaner and then attach the other part to his soft danglies. And I would love to see that scene where he wanders into the, into the shop to ask the proprietor, so here's what I'm hoping you can design for me. <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, he unfolds this paper that he's sketched things on with <laughs> diagrams and measurements. Yeah. And the serious look on both their faces as, you know, the, the owner, shop owner is nodding. Like, oh, sure, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yep. Takes a long haul off his cigarette. Here are some stills of my uh, of my act. <laughs> you know. I'm just really glad that you said he unfolds a piece of paper. Right. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. where that was going. Yeah, I doubt he sketched it on an iPad. <laughs> I'm thinking this is more on parchment, kind of a Michelangelo-like design. You want to make sure you can destroy it and not have it live on yeah. the cloud somewhere. You don't forever. want to get in wrong hands. So it it was a truly awesome spectacle to behold, and it always brought the house down. People would come specifically to see this act. And it was 2007, and Captain Dan the Demon Dwarf was performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Sure. Big deal. Very prestigious uh, festival. The first show went extremely well for Captain Dan. However, during the climax of uh, Captain Dan's performance, he noticed that uh, the specially made attachment that he had crafted was slipping off the edge of the vacuum cleaner hose a little bit. This of course concerned him because he was probably creating quite a great deal of centrifugal force uh, as the vacuum cleaner was spinning around uh, and he was afraid it would slip off the attachment and it would hurl the Hoover into the front rows of spectators badly injuring or perhaps killing one of the circus attendees. But Dan comes from uh, showbiz background and the show must go on. Sure. He's a professional. Consummate professional. He was able to hold on to the attachment uh, with his hand in order to finish the act. And the audience loved it. Dan quickly detached his penis from the Hoover and quickly took his bows, leaving the stage with a thunderous applause echoing in his ears. He wandered back to his room. He had several shows to do that day. So while he was backstage, he was getting ready for his next performance. He thought, you know, I better deal with this uh, attachment thing because it kept slipping off the hose. A good professional always checks his tools. The pilot always checks the plane before he takes it for a flight. Yeah. yeah. So he's trying to fix this so it won't come off the, uh, the hose. And he found some super glue. There we go. He dabbed it on the edge of the vacuum cleaner pipe and then fitted the go. attachment to the pipe. Now we're talking. Now, I don't know if Captain Dan wasn't completely familiar with super gluing protocols or uh, if he was just in a hurry, but clearly on the bottle, it says allow 20 to 30 minutes to dry. 
Dan apparently thought it said 20 to 30 seconds. So with the glue still some, well, somewhat dry, but certainly tacky, he decided to test out the strength by inserting his penis in the other end of the at- attachment. Because nowhere on the super glue label does it say <laughs> next to the allow 20 to 30 minutes to dry, do not insert your penis into anything with super glue, I'm guessing. But that's when the fun began, though, really. Because he couldn't get his penis back out again, he had effectively super glued his dick to a rolling canister. <laughs> and I saw a picture of it, and it looks like a shop vac. It really does. It looks like uh-huh. one of those big orange shop vacs that uh, you see people sucking up uh, water from a broken toilet with. Sure. He was quickly taken to uh, the emergency room by his fellow circus folk. He went to the emergency room at the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary, where sources report nurses struggled for an hour to free him. Hmm. Ultimately, they were successful. Asked, asked later of his hospital ordeal, a shaken Captain Dan recounted, <laughs> quote, It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. I got wheeled into a packed emergency room on a wheelchair with a Hoover attached to my willy. (laughs) I just wish the ground would open up and swallow me. Luckily, they saw me very quickly, so the embarrassment was short-lived. Unfortunately for Captain Dan the Demon Dwarf, he made a full and complete recovery, relatively quickly, back onto the circuit again, twirling small household appliances with his penis on stage in front of adoring fans. Yeah, That's not to say that some venues didn't find his act inappropriate. In fact, one appearance was canceled by a promoter when they saw a preview of Captain Dan's uh, Demon Dwarf act. They deemed it inappropriate, but not because he was swinging a vacuum cleaner from his todger, uh, because at one point in his act, he lights up a cigarette. And apparently smoking (laughs) is not tolerated at events where dwarfs are swinging canister vacuums from their shank. Yeah, the certain images are not suitable for children and anything with a cigarette. You don't want to send the wrong message. So he makes a full recover and he's he's back out and from what I understand he's still he's still doing it. Captain Dan the Demon Dwarf. Uh, my story came from the Oxford Mail, the Register, the Metro, but mostly the Daily Mail because of this headline, quote, Dwarf rushed to hospital after gluing his penis to a Hoover. How can you scroll by that one? <laughs> It's impossible. I love the fact that he's embarrassed by being wheeled into an emergency room (laughs) with this thing attached to him with, what, maybe 20, 30 people watching, Mm -hmm. but not at all uh, hesitant to do this multiple times a day in front of hundreds of people in small arenas. Well, any performer will tell you, Linz, that when you're on stage, you're in control. When you're in a wheelchair with a vacuum cleaner attached to your penis at the emergency room, you have no control at all. Very true. Okay. It's like when someone asks a comedian, tell me a joke. Like, that's no fun. No. No one wants that. No. But, uh, yeah. That's making sense. Real quick, though, um, so you two would have some insight into certain events in this story that I don't don't have. Um, You mean as far as having penises? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So as far as putting it into a vacuum, that's not something that you do, right? (laughs) Well, I can only speak for myself. (laughs) 
I can't speak for Lynn's. I think in this case you could speak for me, but I'm curious to see which which way you're going to go with it. Um, Yes, I think we both have at one time or another. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, there are certain things that I won't do. One of them is inserting my soft dangly parts into anything that's plugged into the wall or is mechanical. Mm. Yeah. No, I think it's a good rule. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's that's tangential to uh, <laughs> to one of the rules that I have for life, which is there are very few times you should leave your house and then take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> there are exceptions, mind you. There are very few, like uh, a doctor's, uh, you know, getting sure. a physical, a doctor's mm-hmm. visit, going to get fitted for a new suit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take off my pants mm-hmm. away from my house. But sure. Generally, no. Oil change? Nah. Not going to no, do it there. No. Yeah. In fact, I would advise uh, any kids listening if you are getting your oil changed and someone, an employee, asks you to remove your pants, <laughs> I would find another place for an oil change. <laughs> yeah, that's sound advice. All right. Well, I think we've all learned something. Yeah, well, not the least of which Captain Dan. Boy, did he learn something. Is the act still going? Is the circus still? They're still performing. It's a different show each season. I'm not sure if he's still doing the vacuum cleaner uh, choreographed dance, but I would not be surprised. If you Google Captain Dan the Demon Dwarf, there are publicity stills of him posing with his vacuum cleaner. Really? And it's attached. Seriously? Seriously. Is it artfully photographed so as not to shock the young ones? It is. Yes, it is. Wouldn't you love to know the acts that he came up with that were rejected? (laughs) (laughs) He came up with this one and somebody said, now that's an act. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what you need to do. You're in the shallow end of the gene pool. It's been called the most significant evolution in home cleaning ever. Introducing Huvera, a vacuum so advanced, Science Weekly says it's one of the greatest pieces of technology in the past 50 years. Most vacuums just pull dirt from rugs, carpets, and floors, even carelessly beating your floor surface into submission. But Huvera is different. Over time, Huvera gets to know what your floor coverings fear and like the most. Like a hostage negotiator, it works to pull more dirt from the floor using psychology, gentle urging to communicate, and a little steam. Turning dirty into a clean never thought possible until now. Go to vacuumingnolongersucks.com. Huvera, a whole new level of clean. Huvera is not to be used in any circus acts by individuals less than six feet tall. You know, J.G., this is the time of year where people start planning family reunions for the summer. In fact, I have one coming up in June, and I'm absolutely convinced that these cousins that I haven't seen for a while are finally going to tell me, yeah, I listened to your podcast. I don't think you guys are very good. I didn't laugh. Well, humor is subjective. So while you may have to grin and bear with your family, you shouldn't feel that way when you're talking to your doctor about, I don't know, that you maybe eat pizza one too many times a week, something like that. Well, enter ZocDoc. That's the place where you can find and book doctors will make you feel comfortable and actually listen to you. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual, real patients. And we're not talking about a few. We're talking about tens of thousands of doctors. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. 
Look, people love this app and this website. Next time I'm looking for a doctor, this is definitely what I'm going to use. Go to ZocDoc.com slash TSE and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash T-S-E. ZocDoc.com slash T-S-E. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes, shallow is a good thing. Other times, eh. You're in the shallow end of the gene pool. All right, Lindsay, the challenge has been set. (laughs) The gauntlet has been thrown down. Beat the story of a vacuum cleaner by his penis-swinging dwarf. I don't know that I can beat it. (laughs) (laughs) Not without a vacuum. (laughs) See what we did there, but but I can come up with something completely different. That's fine. How's that? Do either of you know if there are rules for burglarizing a home? Unspoken rules Uh, or or written down? Is there like a handbook or a brochure or something? When going through a dresser, you open the bottom drawer first and work your way up. So that way you don't have to close the top drawers as you try to... Are you talking about like etiquette or are you talking about speed and efficiency? Uh, I'd I'd say probably speed and efficiency, but you know the the polite burglar I hope would uh, would want to maintain some etiquette. Let me just say how pleased I am that my wife seems to be so in tune with burglary ethics and the efficiency of such. This might explain anything missing from your dresser drawer. <laughs> What's in your dresser drawer right now? Uh, clothes. There's nothing embarrassing in there. No. There used to be, but we gave all that to Goodwill. Really, did you? Okay, all right. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I used to have all kinds of of crap, little tchotchkes and souvenirs and wristwatches and stuff in my top dresser drawer. And I don't know why that started, but it did. And then shortly after we moved into this house, my wife, God bless her, took it upon herself to rid all that stuff uh, and and put it in a uh, like a lucite container on a closet shelf Ooh. so that I wouldn't have to go looking for stuff in my dresser drawer other than, say, T-shirts and socks. 
I'll have other fascinating dresser drawer stories later in the show. <laughs> anyway, in, burglary. In wow. the meantime, we're guessing that there, if there are rules for burglarizing a home, I, I would say, one, mm-hmm. make sure no one's home, right? Good, good tip. Two, get in and out as fast as you possibly can. Sure, yeah. Three, don't leave any evidence. Those are just having never uh, burgled somebody's home. <laughs> I'm guessing that those would probably be rules we could all we could all agree on. Which brings us to a gentleman named James Wood, who uh, at the time this story took place lived in South St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, my wife is from St. Paul, Minnesota, and I can tell you that there is such a thing as Minnesota nice. That cliche of Minnesota nice is mm-hmm. is a cliche for a reason. It's very, very true. Well, they're close to Canada, and the politeness leaks over the border. That would make total sense, wouldn't it? And that whole St. Paul versus Minneapolis, the two towns, how, how different they are, mm-hmm. and both sort of look askance at the other, like, why would anyone want to live there? <laughs> oh my gosh, you really, you live in Minneapolis? You live in St. Paul? Why? Is that a thing? That's a thing, yeah. I didn't wow. know. Minneapolis, I think, sees itself as the uh, the superior of the two, you know, more cultural, more erudite, and St. Paul is seen by uh, Minneapolis residents as a smaller town, maybe even a little backwater, not quite as sophisticated as the as Capulets and the Montagues, if you will. Exactly, exactly, Cat. <laughs> Again, you have taken a concept and crystallized it into a very simple nut, yeah. and I appreciate that. So James Wood lives in South Saint Paul, Minnesota. One day he comes home and is not expecting anything out of the ordinary, but he opens his front door and his house has been ransacked. Oh, no. It is just looks like a tornado went through, and he he understandably freaks. I've never knockwood experienced that, but I've I know a number of people who've had that happen to them, and the the feeling that they describe of being violated and just creeped out is yeah. is off the charts. So he freaks out, and sure enough, he starts looking around for things, valuables that he's had that that he knows where they've been hidden. And sure enough, cash, credit cards, uh, even a watch that he loved, an heirloom watch was gone. What about the tchotchkes from the... uh... (laughs) They didn't, they didn't say. He just said, you know, I started to panic. And so he starts walking around the house. He realizes this stuff is gone. Now it's been raining out while he's been gone uh, so he comes home and he starts walking around the house and he starts finding things now that are not his like a pair of nike tennis shoes <laughs> uh jeans wow and, and a belt and all of those things are wet and so he's thinking well, what what the hell is this my stuff is gone but there's there's wet clothes and shoes what the hell's going on here? Stuff's missing, but stuff that's that's now here is not mine, and it's wet. And he's he's just on the verge of like full panic. Like, what the hell is going on in my own house? Is there a wet nude man somewhere hiding in a closet? <laughs> would probably would have been one of my first thoughts. Is somebody still in here? Yep. They just left their clothes and <laughs> shoes to dry. Yeah. And decided I... to go make themselves a snack or something. <laughs> I interrupted a burglar while he was just rinsing out a few things. (laughs) The polite burglar still likes to be clean about his person. (laughs) So James looks around some more and just discovers that 
his computer is on. And he thinks, oh, okay, I guess I, guess I left my computer on. But then he remembers that he didn't leave his computer on, and he sees a Facebook page, and he thinks, "Wow, okay, I must have left—I uh, left, must have left my computer on, and I must have been on Facebook." But he walks over and no. he realizes this isn't my Facebook page. <laughs> this is this is someone else's Facebook page. Oh no! And it's a page belonging to a guy named Nicholas Wig, and he thinks, "Well, that's." That's weird. I don't remember checking. <laughs> I don't know a Nicholas Wig. And then he realizes, wait a minute, this is the guy who broke into my house. He realizes this this person, while they were ransacking his house, decided, <laughs> well, it's been a while since I uh, checked that Facebook page. I better, uh, better log in. <laughs> and sure enough, Nicholas Wig has not only burgled this guy's house, he decided to log into Facebook and check his page just to see what's going on. Only trouble is, Mr. Wig failed to log back out of mm-hmm. Facebook and mm-hmm. shut down the computer. So so if you're James, what are you thinking? You're, you're like, okay, I, I actually know who this guy is. But because Nicholas Wig, the alleged burglar, has left his Facebook page open, the homeowner, James, is now able to post on this guy's page. No, he didn't. He did. He figured out, hey, wait a minute. I've got a portal now into this guy's world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he goes on to, to Nicholas Wig's page and says, hey, any of, uh, any of Nicholas's friends? Nicholas burglarized my home. Oh, and by the way, he left his shoes and wet jeans and belt drying here on my kitchen counter. Now, while Facebook policy discourages from uh, anyone posting to somebody else's page without permission, I think you'll agree that in this case, mm-hmm. James could be forgiven. At least yeah. by, by this podcast, The Shallow End, we, we think that's turnabout is fair play. So... He actually posts on this page, you know, this guy burgled my home. Call me if you know anything about this guy. So believe it or not, <laughs> Nicholas Wig, who now is getting calls and emails and texts from people saying, uh, some guy says you broke into his house. <laughs> he, he texts James. He has, no. uh, he has his, his text number somehow and he, he texts him. And says, uh, "Yeah, I uh, okay. That was that was me. Um, and can I have my pants back?" <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, was it ever disclosed as to uh, how he exited the uh, the dwelling? Was he pantsless? Did he borrow some of the other guy's pants? Uh, what, None what? of the stories say that, but one would assume that he either stole some dry clothes from mm. James mm-hmm. or uh, alert neighbors would have seen a pantsless, <laughs> shoeless man carrying a bag. One of those bags with the big dollar signs on the side. Exactly. So we know what we're carrying. So James texts back saying, hey, uh, yeah, you left some things uh, at my house. How can I get them back to you? <laughs> Thinking, well, the guy's not going to say, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and, and pick up my pants. But apparently, uh, Mr. Wig was under the impression 
that he could just go back to James's house <laughs> for his stuff. No harm, no foul. So James, homeowner, says, "Yeah, come on by. I got your, I got your stuff. Your your pants are dry. You can pick them up." Mm-hmm. And sure enough, about an hour later, he sees this guy coming to his uh, coming to his house, and he's he's wearing pants, so he's obviously gotten gotten yeah. home and and changed. But he calls nine one one, and the police show up and among the things in Mr. Wiggs' possession are James's watch and his wallet and uh, and the police <laughs> arrest him on the spot. So he brings the evidence back with him. Yeah, yeah. Made it a lot easier for law, it law enforcement. It made it very, it was like when the police took the report, it was maybe like one piece of paper because everything was, was right there. Here are the possessions. You got the perpetrator saying, yeah, uh, I did it. And he was arrested at the, uh, at the scene. The stories do not show exactly what Mr. Wig was convicted of, but at the time of his arrest, he faced up to 10 years in prison and $20,000 in fines. So uh, let that be a lesson, kids. It's, wow. it's best to close your Facebook page if you log in in somebody's house that you've just burglarized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that also it lends itself to your advice um, that, that says there are very few occasions where after leaving the house, you should take your pants off. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, Kat. My theory has been proven correct. This came from uh, the Daily Mail and uh, WCCO TV in uh, in the Twin Cities area. That's an amazing story. And the idea that uh, people who don't have the foresight to take their clothes with them after they burgle a house, they should just not burgle the house. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the adage about, um, well, you know, criminals are, are frequently just not all that bright. No. And uh, and graveyards and jails are filled with people who swear that the gun wasn't loaded. <laughs> I just saw the story. I, w- I was going to do something on uh, this story in an upcoming episode, but I don't think there's enough really to make a whole story out of it. But uh, there was a guy in Brazil who is a bad guy and he was out on bail and he tries to hold up a gas station and the guy who he was trying to rob was near a gas pump and so he took the gas pump out and he just covered the guy with gas Jeez. his car and everything else and the burglar thought as he's standing there drenched in gasoline it'd be a good idea for me to fire my weapon right now oh lord and it just exploded. It blew yeah. him all up. He did survive, but he had mm. some pretty severe burns. Mm. And uh, there's actually, believe it or not, closed circuit TV video of this Oof. guy blowing himself up. Wow. Sort themselves out. Yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, I love when that happens. <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in instant karma. Yeah, indeed. And you there know? it is in, in play, in practice. When a problem solves itself. The Shallow End, it is a podcast that we drop once a week, and uh, we'll have another episode out to you real soon, and you can check up on all of our doings by going to our website, shallowendpodcast.com. And remember, keep your pants on, people. (laughs) We ask very little in this podcast other than to subscribe and say nice things about us and tell your friends, but if if I could add to that, just... 
Keep your damn pants on. I don't want to speak for Jethro, but I'm, I assume you're agreeing. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you on that one. Cat might be on the fence, but I know, I know JG's with me on this one. <laughs> Nonetheless, make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go.